This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's give Jesus a round of applause. This evening, He's worthy, He's worthy, He's worthy. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. What an awesome time in your presence. Gathering around your word, worshiping you tonight. We thank you tonight, Lord, that you touch the hearts of men and women in this place. That we have gathered for one reason, and that is that your name be lifted up. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that even as your word comes to us, that it would find us in our place, in our moment of greatest need. And whatever is needed in our lives, thank you that your word has the power to deliver. In Jesus' mighty name and all of God's people said, Amen. You may be seated tonight. Wasn't that great, awesome worship? Thank you, guys. That was phenomenal. Come on, let's give it up for the praise and worship team. Phenomenal. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Tonight, I'm going to continue with what I began this morning. I, I, I did this over a four or five-part series back in Durban. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. And we're going to read from verse 1. And it says there, the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, see now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Aren't you glad that we serve a God of increase tonight? That's three and a half of you. Aren't you glad we serve a God of increase? All right, praise God. Verse two, please let us go to the Jordan and let every man and every woman for that matter take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. And so he answered, go. Look at somebody and tell them, go. And then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And he said, I will go. And, and he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe had fell into the water. And he cried out and said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. And so the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. And so he basically cut off a stick and threw it in there. And he made the iron float. And then he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. Amen. It's an interesting passage of scripture when you look at this because it not only talks about doing great and mighty exploits for God. And of course, you need to understand that Elisha had, had gathered a group of prophets around him. The place where they were had become too small. It was now time to expand and to multiply. And uh, as they were chopping down the trees and making room, one of those acts said fell or uh, slipped off the handle and fell into the river. And you would have thought that that was the end of it. I mean, if you would have thought, well, that's it. Everybody go home. There's nothing more that we can do. But I want you to know that it's not over until God says it's over. I need you to look at about three people tonight and look at them in the eye and say, it's not over until God says it's over. All right? And that's the reason why my sermon title is first and foremost a semicolon. And then it says there, the story continues. Because when you look at a semicolon and you're reading it in a sentence, the semicolon doesn't mark the end of the thing, but rather the continuation. Hallelujah. And when you get to that semicolon, it might be a time for you to pause. It might be a time for you to reflect. It might be a time for you to gather yourself together. But, I, but how many of you know, it's not the end. There is more to come. Can you say amen? 
Praise the Lord. So I need you to look at somebody right now and tell them that there might be a pause, but the story continues. My story continues. Your story continues. Our story continues. Can you say amen? Would you lift your hands up with me, family, uh, right now and say, it's not the end. It's just a pause. And my story continues in Jesus' name. Amen. When you get to verse 2, I spoke a lot about verse 1 this morning in the note. You can see in the notes it's there. Uh, you, it's, uh, it's available for you on the church app. But verse 2 is all about going to the Jordan River. And it's about every man, and for that matter, every woman, for there is neither male nor female in the kingdom of God. And every man and woman taking up a beam and every man making something. Amen. Every man taking a beam really speaks about the humanity of man. And that is to say that every one of us, whether male or female, was made from dust. How many of you know that you were made from dust? And the fact is that when you look at the Jordan River, so every man taking a beam represents the fact that you and I were made of dust. And not only that, but going to the river Jordan speaks about the river, the rivers of God, the moving of God. So when you look at this, you begin to understand that this is really a picture of God and man. Would you lift up your hands and say, I was created by God for God. Say it like you have a bit of faith tonight. I was created by God for God. So that brings me to one of my slides, which, which is this. God created us to partner with Him in this life. I need you to understand that tonight. God created us to partner with Him in this life. If you look at 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, it says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. In other words, we were never meant to go through life on our own, in our own strength and in our own might. When you look at Adam and how he was placed in that garden of Eden, in the garden of Eden, there was Adam in that garden, God partnering with him and Adam partnering with God. And you know that as long as Adam stayed in fellowship with God, that he was intimate with God. As long as he remained in communion with God, he prospered and flourished in that garden. And so it is today God partnering together with humanity. As a matter of fact, if you read the Bible, the Bible is all about that in picture form. God partnering with mankind. God partnering with humanity. For example, if you look in the tabernacle of Moses, and there were many things there that speak about the divinity of God and the humanity of mankind. But for example, if you looked at one of the uh, pieces of furniture, like the altar of incense that stood before the veil, so that the priest would go from the holy place beyond the veil into the holy of holies. And before the veil, there was the altar of incense that was basically made of wood, which speaks of humanity, but it was, it was overlaid with gold, which speaks of divinity. In other words, it is mankind clothed with God. And then when you got into the Holy of Holies, there was another piece of furniture, the, the Ark of the Covenant, which, by the way, was also made of wood, but it was overlaid with gold. And again, we get a picture of God clothing mankind hallelujah 
you and I clothed with God. That's how we were meant to go through life. Lift your hands and say, I was made by God for God. Say it like you have a bit of faith. I was made by, by God for God. So the point I'm trying to make is that we, in, in other words, if we're going to be successful, if we're going to achieve what God wants us to do in this life, it's going to be as we partner with God when we realize that we are just made of dust. Do you have that picture of man just made of dust? Now, I've got some stuff here tonight, and I want to show you. If you look at this, uh, this is kind of like, what is it, steel, aluminum, I don't know. But it has rigidity. It has form, okay? We could have been made out of this, but we're not. This, this is pretty strong. If I had to hit somebody with this, I'm sure they'd know all about it. And then there's a piece of wood. We, 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 we're not made of wood either. Wood has rigidity. There's form to this. If I had to put a bit of pressure, I guess I could break it. I don't know. But we're not made of wood. We're not made of wood. And then we could look at another element, which is plastic. And again, it's kind of rigid. But you know what? It's even now more flexible. But if you think about mankind, mankind was made out of the most weakest element that is found in the universe. And that is sand. I want to show you how rigid sand is. I mean, there's just absolutely no rigidity to the sand. I want to show you how powerful sand is. Look, look at that. See how powerful sand is? It's absolutely weak. It just shows the weakness of mankind, the weakness. That's what you're made of. Bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, that's what you're made of. The Bible says, from dust we came and to dust we shall return. Let me show you how strong you are. That's how strong you are. That's, that's, that's how strong you are. That's how, that's how rigid you can become. Look at that. Just no shape, no form. That's what I'm trying to emphasize is the fact that we need God. Lift your hands and say, I was made by God for God. Hallelujah. That's the point I'm trying to show you. So when they're by the river and man, and they're cutting down beams and getting beams, that's a picture of mankind cooperating with God, getting into the flow of God, getting into the spirit of God, getting into the move of God. Hallelujah. And let me tell you, this is my next slide. God gives us his go when we choose to work together with God. When you partner with God, when you realize you're just dust, that's all you are, and that you need God, you need to be overlaid with divinity. And when you choose to work with God and you partner with God, God will give you the go. Invariably, without God, you'll have the wrong go. But with God, you'll have the right go. Look at somebody and tell them, without God, without God, wrong go. With God, right go. I don't know if anybody of you ever saw that movie. I know we're not, it's not very spiritual, but it was a movie with uh, uh, Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz, Diaz, whatever her name is, and it was called Night and Day. It was like a mission, like a spy type movie, and he was a spy and, and so on. Anybody ever see that movie, Night, K-N-I-G-H-T, Night and Day? And so he was a spy, and she kind of like, you know, tagged along with him, and he said to her, listen, you better stick with me. Because this, this is the chance of your survival. With me, we're going to make it. Without me, you're not going to make it. There's a chance. Of, that's what I tell my wife. With me, without me. But you know what it is. With God, this is the goal that you get. This, this is how you're going to succeed. Without God, this is where you're going to be. Amen.
And what I want you to understand about this is my next slide. That God's go always carries with it eternal worth and significance. So when you partner with God, when you realize that you're just dust, that's all you are. There's no power in that. There's no might in that. There's just no strength in that. But when you partner with God and you are overlaid and clothed with divinity, God gives you his go. And when he gives you his go, that go carries with it eternal worth and significance. In other words, we are involved in eternal business. Which brings me to my next slide. We have the privilege of influencing the hearts of humanity for God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. In other words, we have the privilege of helping people know God. We have the privilege of helping people find freedom through your life groups, your fellowship groups. We have the privilege of helping people discover their purpose. We have the privilege of helping people know that they can make a difference. Would you look at three people right now and tell them you can make a difference? Come on. With God, you can make a difference. When you allow the greater one to over move you and and override you you can make a difference in this world amen verse 4 tells us that when they came to the Jordan that they now began to cut down trees in other words the very first thing that they did to ensure that there was ample room for growth for the vision for what God was doing was for them to cut down trees and I want to just say this that if you are serious about going for God If you are serious about increasing, growing, and prospering, flourishing, and being a mover and a shaker for God, then you simply have to eliminate every obstacle that is in your path. Can I get an amen? That brings me to my next slide. Removing every distraction in your life is a must. If you wish to succeed, is there anybody here that wants to prosper? Anybody here that wants to succeed? Anybody here that wants to carry a legacy and do something worthwhile in this day and age while you still have breath in your lungs? Then it is absolutely essential that you remove every distraction. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? You have simply got to get rid of all distractions and hindrances. And you have got to be intentional and purposed about it. There can't be any compromise. There can't be any ifs, any maybes. You have to make room for the vision. And in order to make room for the vision, you have to remove every obstacle. You've got to cut down every tree. You've got to clear the ground. Hallelujah. And that speaks of outward hindrance as well as inward ones. Can I say to you about the outward uh, hindrances? Every friend that is not for you is against you. That's just how it is. You know, sometimes I tell people, just put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's how it is. That's, That's just how it is. Every friend that is not for you is against you. And here's what I've learned. I've learned that not everybody will celebrate you. Not everybody will be happy that you're determined to prosper and advance in God. Not everybody is going to be happy that you're clearing ground and making room for more of God. But you've got to just do it anyhow. Love them, pray for them, and just continue doing what God's called you to do. Can you say amen? And then also within yourself, you've got to get rid of small thinking, small visions, small dreaming. Hallelujah. And then what about the voices that you keep on hearing in your mind? You've got to silence those voices that condemn you and criticize you. That tell you you'll never afford this. You'll never be that. You'll never go there. You'll never do whatever. Pay no attention to them. 
What do you do? Instead, you lay a hold of God's word. Feed yourself on that which will build you and edify you and encourage you. Hallelujah. Verse 5, we get to verse 5, and that's when there's tragedy. That's when the axe head was lost. To clear ground and make room for the vision and to have the increase of God. If you're going to be a mover and a shaker, if you're going to have an impact on this life, hallelujah, it's going to cost you. Can I get an amen? That's because this is my next slide. In life, nothing worthwhile comes without a struggle. Come on. Nothing worthwhile in this life comes without a struggle. But here's what I've learned. Every struggle, every trial, every adversity is an opportunity to exercise your faith and vocalize your faith. Every trial, every mountain that you're facing, every giant right now that is coming up against you is an opportunity for you to see your great God in action. Hallelujah. It is an opportunity to allow the power and might of God to flow through you. It is an opportunity for God to show you that without Him, you're absolutely nothing. Can I get an amen? And so the Bible says that when that axe fell in the ground, He proclaimed. But the biggest concern, He said, you know what? The problem is it's gone. It's lost. But here's the problem. It actually was borrowed. Which brings me to my next slide. Everything we have in this life is actually borrowed from God. Everything you have in this life. Every gifting, every talent, every ability. There is nothing in me that I can boast and say it is mine. God has graced us and endowed us with the Spirit. It is His anointing. It is His call. It is His might. It is His ability. It is His ministry. We are merely vessels of clay. And we have the treasure that's within the clay. It is the treasure that gives strength to the clay. It is the treasure that gives might to the clay. It is the treasure that gives wisdom to the clay. It is the treasure that gives favor to the clay. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now well, you would have thought that when that accent was lost... That that would be the end. The work was over and the story was now over. But would you look at somebody and tell them it's not over until God says it's over. I don't know who I'm speaking to tonight. But I want to just encourage you. It's not over until God says it's over. Hallelujah. It's just a pause. It's just a semicolon. And your story continues. How many of you know that you have a story to tell? Hallelujah. Bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, you have a story to tell. Amen. What I'm trying to emphasize is the fact that there is a determination to continue. Which brings me to my next slide. Every one of us has a God-given fortitude to never give up. When you realize that you are just clay and it is, it's His power, it is His might, it is His courage, it is His boldness. There is a God-given fortitude on the inside available to every one of you to never give up, to never back down, to never quit. I don't care how dismal your situation might be. I'm here to tell you tonight, friend, God didn't bring you this far to see you fail. You haven't been through all that you've been through just to lose the battle and to come to nothing. Ah, 
What God started in you, I'm here to prophesy to you. He will continue and perfect it. You might not see anything. You might not feel anything. But I'm here to tell you, semicolon. It's just a pause. There's just a slight delay. The story continues. With your high five, somebody and tell them, my marriage will continue. My business will continue. My ministry will continue. My giftings will continue. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. So verse 6 says that the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. And so what did he do? He cuts off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. Hallelujah. I mean, that's the miracle of all miracles. Iron is not supposed to float. This is the impossible becoming possible. Hallelujah. Now I want to tell you that that axe head, this is my next slide, that axe head represents the cutting edge power of God working in and through your life. Hallelujah. But you know, if the axe gets dull, you got a problem. If the axe gets dull, it's going to be difficult for your marriage to succeed. If the axe loses its cutting edge, come on. How many of you know your business might be in trouble? Ecclesiastes 10 and 10 tells us that if the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But, hallelujah, this is the one place where I like the but. But wisdom brings Success. In other words, the God kind of wisdom will tell you, catch a wake-up, buddy. It's time to get the axe head sharpened. Hallelujah. Sometimes we have to find that place in our lives where we've lost the sharpness, the cutting edge, the anointing. And what I love about God is the fact that we can come anytime, anywhere, any place to Him and just say, God, you know what? I messed up. I lost the cutting edge, God. I've just lost the passion for souls, God. I've just lost that desire to serve you, God. I've just lost that desire to worship you, God. I've just lost the cutting edge to bring me into the Word and to feed the Word of God. And I love it. God just, I mean, there's nothing complicated about it. You can just come. It's a matter of the heart. Look at somebody and tell them it's just a matter of the heart. Hallelujah. And so what does the prophet do? The Bible says that he picks up that stick. He picks up that stick and he throws it in the water. Hallelujah. And the exit that's in the bottom of that Jordan River floats up to the top and is attracted, pulled, pulled itself to the stick. I, I want to suggest tonight that that stick speaks about the cross. Hallelujah. Can you say, can you say give me a better amen tonight? Come on, that cross, hallelujah, that's what it is. Central to the gospel of Jesus Christ is the cross of Christ. Now we know that in the Bible days, many people were crucified. We know that the Romans actually developed the crucifixion. It was them that devised this, this cross. So many people were crucified in Jesus' day. As a matter of fact, the historian Josephus reports that one day, in, at one day, there were so many people that were crucified by the Romans that they ran out of crosses. So what is it that is different about the cross of Jesus? Simply this, that Jesus died on a cross. He became your and my curse. And then he was placed in a tomb. But three days later, 
by the power of the Holy Ghost. He was raised back to life. Hallelujah. And so the cross, which is my next slide, represents the place where your miracle will be found. Because the miracles always come back to the cross. I said the miracles will always come back to the cross. Hallelujah. In the natural, it's impossible for an iron axe to lift off the bottom of the river and come. It cannot be done. And this is what is so amazing about the cross and the work that it is able to do in the lives of people. People that we would say there's just no hope for that person to get saved. Oh, you think so? Just let the cross, bring the cross in there. Let me tell you, just like the iron exit floated to the top, it'll bring people from the bottom pits of their sin, and it'll cause them to come to the cross. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? With the cross in your sights, anything is possible. We never write anybody off. We never write any situation off. When you've got the cross in your sight, because the cross represents the place where miracles happen, where salvation happens, where deliverance happens, where breakthrough happens, where blessing happens. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, thank God for the cross. But when I looked at the cross, it's the cross this way. But when you look at it this way, what do you see? An X. No, I'm not doing the X factor or anything like that. It's an X, right? And uh, you remember that before Elijah was taken up to be with God, he said, before I go, Elisha, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, he said, what, ask me, ask me, what may I do for you before I'm taken up? And Elisha said to him, please, would you let a double portion of the spirit that is upon you, would you let a double portion of that same spirit, a double portion, say twice as much, twice as much, would you let twice as much as what you have come upon me? And Elijah said, hmm, you, you, you jolly cheek, you've asked a hard thing. He said, but nevertheless, if you can see me get taken up, it will be so for you. And the Bible says that as Elijah was taken up, Elisha cries out, My father, my father. Hallelujah. What happens? The mantle comes down. And you see there, Elisha picks up that mantle. And if you read the life story of Elisha, you will see that as a matter of fact, there were twice as many miracles that Elijah did in the life. Lifetime of Elisha. Lift your hands and say twice as much. I'm getting to the cross and just the X in just a moment. But, but think twice as much, twice as much, twice as much. You remember there was a man by the name of Jacob that was getting ready to die. And before he died, he summoned his son Joseph. He said, Joseph, I need you to bring your children. And so Joseph comes in and he's got Ephraim who is... Uh, the, the, the second born, the first born was Manasseh. And in the Bible days, the first born, it was always when the father died, the father would pray a double portion blessing on the second son. Hallelujah. But Jacob was a little bit blind. He was a little bit old. And as the sons come, what did Jacob do? He crosses his arms. Hallelujah. Bump your neighbor and say twice as much. Come on, say it again, twice as much. 
In other words, the cross, this is my next slide, also represents the double portion anointing and blessing upon the church. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Praise God. When Jesus hung on the cross, it was as if the Father crossed His hands and Jesus became our curse. He was the firstborn. And God the Father crossed His heads and said, My son, you're going to take the curse so that my secondborn can receive the blessing. You're going to become sin so my secondborn can become righteousness. You're going to take the sickness so my secondborn can take on health and prosperity. I'm here to tell you tonight that God crossed His arms, Hallelujah. Crossed his arms and pronounced a double portion blessing on you and me tonight. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. We are the anointed exit, double portion exit on the that God has put on upon you and I. If you read in Jeremiah, Jeremiah prophesies. This is what Jeremiah says. Look at it in Jeremiah 51 20. Says God says, You are my battle axe and weapons of war. For with you I will break the nation in pieces. With you I will destroy kingdoms. Hallelujah. I need you to stand up right now, every single one of you. Come on. Come on. I'm here not just to tell you that your story continues. I'm here to tell you that you are God's battle axe in His hand. I'm here to tell you that when Jesus died on the cross, God the Father crossed His hands and He pronounced His double portion blessing upon every one of you tonight. Can you lift your hands tonight and say after me, Father, thank you for your word that has come to me tonight. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word. I am a faith person that has a faith covenant with a faith God. And my story continues. What you have started in me continues. I acknowledge that everything that I have in this life is borrowed and comes from you. The Holy Spirit in me has given me fortitude to never give up, to never back down, and to never quit. And with His help, I never ever will. I have a story to tell. I have an assignment to complete. I have a calling and a ministry to fulfill that carries eternal value and significance for which I will be rewarded one day. I am God's battle axe wielded by the hand of God. I am razor sharp, ready and anointed with twice as much power, twice as much favor, twice as much wisdom, twice as much blessing, twice as much everything that I could possibly need to help people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and to make a godly Holy Ghost difference, a godly Holy Ghost difference in this world. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, give the Lord a praise offering tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, 
We hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. 